and he went forth again by the seaside. And all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. He was a tax gatherer, said to him, Follow me. He arose, followed him. Came to pass, that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, that is, in Levi's house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. The scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners. They said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they came and said to him, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples don't fast at all. And Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bridegroom chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher, Dr. John G. Mitchell, was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Our name, The Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to As Dr. Mitchell will mention the need for prayer on behalf of the ministry, we too ask for your intercession on behalf of the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. And we do thank you for your support. In this passage, Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 20, we hear the Savior calling Levi, a tax collector, to follow him. Levi is the Hebrew name for the disciple we now know as Matthew, the author of the very first gospel. Well, then Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his house to dine with him and his friends. And Jesus, in spite of their criticism from the religious rulers, said he came to call sinners, and not the righteous, to repentance. Well, next Jesus is then confronted with a question about fasting, right here during the feast. Why doesn't Jesus' disciples fast like the other disciples? Let's join Dr. Mitchell in Mark chapter 2, verse 13 with Jesus, the sinner's friend. You're listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with studies in the gospel through Mark. And may I just take a moment to thank you, precious people, for writing in. And how I thank the Lord for the letters of encouragement, the blessing that came to so many of your hearts and is coming to your hearts. I appreciate more than I can say your prayers. You know, we need your prayers very, very much. This is one of God's tools that he has given to us. It's not enough for us to just know the Word of God, but that Word must be made a living reality in our lives. That Word ought to bring us into real relationship and fellowship with the Savior himself. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we have. 
And as I've been reading this gospel through Mark over and over again, I'm amazed how Mark just picks one instant after another. Very little teaching in Mark as far as the Lord teaching the crowd. Like in this chapter, he preached the word unto them. What he said, I don't know, except what he said in the first chapter when he said, you remember, he came preaching the gospel of God. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And as our Lord is preaching the word of God, good news from God to men, that God has made the provision for sinners to be transformed into saints, to be forgiven every transgression, made the recipients of eternal life and so on, they were bringing their sick people to him, demon-possessed people, the hopeless and the helpless. And you know you can't come to the Savior if you really mean business. He means business too, and he'll meet your need. Oh, how many Christians are walking out of fellowship with God. And I've had them tell me, Mr. Mitchell, I've been out of fellowship with God so long, I'm ashamed to come to him. I've been a backslider, and I'm ashamed to come to him. I need to come back to the Lord. But listen, friend, he's been waiting all this time for you to come. It's not that the Lord is waiting for you to come to him. It's not that you are waiting for the Lord to come to you. Pardon, let me put that right. The Lord is waiting for you. He's already, with arms outstretched, open for you to come. He wants your fellowship. And if you're a Christian, this is the thing he yearns for. He yearns more for your fellowship than the creation of worlds. He upholds the whole universe by the word of his power. He just speaks the word, and the whole universe is kept up each planet in its right orbit at the exact split second. He just speaks the word and that's done. What do you long for? New worlds? No, no, no. What he wants is your fellowship. Oh, but Mr. Mitchell, I'm the weakest of God's children. So be it. it that's why he saved you. Wants your fellowship. You know, a mother takes care of her bairns. She takes care of the youngsters, the youngest ones. If the house is on fire, she doesn't pick up the 18th. 18-year-old boy, she picks up the three-month-old baby. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. How he yearns for your love and my love. How he learns for your fellowship and my fellowship. So we go our own way. And then when we get into trouble, we come. We're like this man in chapter 2 of the palsy. If he hadn't had the palsy, he would never have come to the Savior. He would never have been saved. He would never have had his sins forgiven he would never have been healed. And sinner, if you don't come to the Savior, you'll not be forgiven either. Child of God, come with all your failures, with all your weaknesses. He still loves you, and he wants your fellowship. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our fellowship and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why am I talking this way today? Because I've met so many Christians, and I've had so many letters of people who want to get back to God. And my heart is burdened, heavy, because there are so many of God's dear children, redeemed by the blood of Christ, children of one who is God, but they want their own way, and they've gone their own way, and they're not very happy. They're not happy at all. What they need is him. And he says, come on, come on. I'll forgive your sin. 
I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness, and I'll give you a peace that passeth all understanding. Why don't you come? Let us get down to Mark chapter 1. Verse 13, he had just, he had just cleansed a man, healed a man of the, of the palsy. A hopeless man had been brought in. And you remember, he did two things. He, he met his spiritual need. He forgave his sins. He met his physical need. He healed him. He fulfilled the 103rd Psalm, verse 3, who forgiveth all thy iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. And verse 13, and he went forth again by the seaside. And all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them, here again, crowds. Notice how Mark goes from one to the other. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. He was a tax gatherer. He said to him, Follow me. He arose, followed him. It came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, that is, in Levi's house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. The scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners. They said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now let me just look at this for a few moments. Wonderful story. You find this in, especially in Luke's gospel. As he passed by, he saw Levi. Uh, he was a publican. He was sitting at the receipt of custom. He was one of these, what they called publicans, despised by the scribes and Pharisees and so on. And Jesus just said two words, follow me. He arose and followed him. Here's the call to Levi later called Matthew. Follow me. Accompany me. Come on along with me. He exchanged his gods. What do you mean? He turned from his money. These publicans, as a rule, were men who were sold out to a materialistic philosophy. They were supposed to pick up the, the taxes for the Roman government, and oftentimes they uh, they charged the people more than the government requested, and they pocketed, of course, the difference. You have that story you remember in Luke chapter 19, where Zacchaeus was a publican. And the Lord went to his house. He didn't go to the Pharisee's house or the scribe's house. He went to the publican's house. I tell you again, Jesus loves people, irrespective of their condition. Going down the road, crowds following him, saw Levi. Why didn't he pick these other fellows? Here are people following from one place to the other. They're following him, not for himself, but for the spectacular. Here's Levi sitting down. His life given over to money. Jesus looked at him. He saw Levi. And he just said, follow me. He arose followed him. It doesn't say what Levi saw, but I'll tell you when Jesus said to Levi, come on along with me. Come on along with me. Accompany me. Be, my, be one of my companions. 
he left his seat of uh, receipt of custom, followed him. No words exchanged, just rose up, followed him. What is there about this Jesus of Nazareth that when he said to a man, follow me, the man looks into the eyes of Jesus, doesn't say a word, just gets up and follows him. Jesus is still calling for partners, for companions. Follow me. We had it in the first chapter. He saw Andrew and Simon, commercial fishermen. He just said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. They left their job, left their boats, left their nets, followed him. Same with John and James. Now he finds Levi. And remember, there's a great crowd following him. The Lord Jesus is not occupied with the crowds. He's occupied with individuals. Levi, follow me. And Levi followed him, and it was so wonderful. You know what he did? Now, I know it's not in the text. He made a feast for Jesus and invited all his friends. Who do you think his friends were? Publicans and sinners, outcasts of society, possibly. And Jesus sat down and ate with them, ate with them. Think of it. If I might put myself in the way of one of these scribes or Pharisees, you know. Pharisees were the fundamentalists of the day. They were the conservatives in theology. The scribes were the ones who wrote the book. And when they saw him eat with publicans in it, they said to the disciples, How is it? that he eateth with and drinketh with publicans and sinners. They went to the disciples and asked them, How does your master Jesus, your rabbi, eat with publicans and sinners? Do you know what they were questioning? They were questioning the moral character of our Savior. Doesn't he know the kind of people he's sitting with and eating with? Boy, I'm so glad he came to seek into that which was lost. You see, you see, Levi the publican is transformed from a publican to an apostle, from a sinner into a saint. That's what God wants. He picks up sinners and transforms them into saints. He picks up children of wrath and transforms them into the children of God. He takes those who are afar off from God and brings them right nigh to himself. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. This is, a, this is a faithful saying and worthy of your acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm quoting first, first Peter, pardon me, first Timothy chapter one, verse 15. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19, 10. He came because of you and he came because of me. And these scribes and Pharisees standing to one side, and I can understand their position. They were separatists. They put their clothes around them. Had nothing to do with sinners, with publicans. If this man were a prophet, if this man is what he claims to be, he wouldn't sit down with people like Levi. He wouldn't sit down with publicans and sinners. You see, they questioned the moral character of the Savior that he sat down with sinners. But you see, Jesus' answer was a marvelous one. Listen to what he says. 
They that are whole need not a physician. A man who is healthy doesn't go to the doctor. Who goes? Those that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Oh, I cannot like this. Yes, I know these people are sinners, says the Lord Jesus. I know they're sinners. I know they're corrupt. I know all about them. And I love them. And I want to heal them of their corruption. I want to remove away their sin. I'm not going to stand to one side and criticize sinners. When I've got a message, says the Lord Jesus, that will redeem them from sin and cleanse them from all transgressions. You see, the Pharisees and scribes have nothing for sinners. They were so occupied with their own self-righteousness. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous. He didn't come to call good people and religious people to repentance. He came to call sinners to repentance. And my friend, until you take your place as a sinner, you'll not experience his salvation. You'll not experience the sweetness of the loveliness of Christ. Oh, in some way, I wish I, could, I wish I could put this in words the way I feel. I repeat it, I wish I could put it into words just the way I feel. Why in the world should Jesus come, leave his place in glory, and come down here and die such a death if he didn't love men and women, if he didn't love sinners? And when he came as the sinner's Savior, what do you think he went? With the Pharisees and scribes and Herodians and Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day? No. He came to seek sinners. He came to save sinners. He came to put away sin. He loves even today. And here these religious leaders were questioning our, Laurel, our Lord's moral character when he said he'd sit down each with sinners. I suppose they'd do the same thing today. You sat down with us in and ate with him, huh? Oh, you say, a man is known by the company he keeps. Yes, but when Jesus sat down with the sinners, he sat down with a distinct purpose. And that purpose was the sinners would no longer be sinners, but become the children of God. He came to seek and to save the lost. And friend, if you if you're a sinner and you have sinned, how in the world will you ever stand before God? And if God has made the provision, can you add to it? If God is satisfied with the work of his Son, can't you be satisfied? I came not to call the righteous. I came to call, to call sinners to repentance. He came to heal. He came to save. Who? Sinners. That's why I love that verse in Luke 4, 18. Do you remember it? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, said Jesus. What for? To bring good news to sinners, to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to give deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, 
to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And Jesus closed the book and said, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I know I've quoted that before. I know what I'm doing on this. But I'll tell you one thing. I ask you the question, what do you know about him? In your own life, in your own heart. You say you're troubled. You say you're burdened. You say you're misunderstood. That nobody loves you. So you're full of self-sympathy, full of self-righteousness, and God can't do anything for you. Till you turn to him and get away from your self-righteousness and your self-pity See yourself as you are in the presence of the Savior, and instead of you finding Jesus Christ the judge, you find him as the sinner's Savior, as the one who loves with an everlasting love, as the one who can cleanse you from all sin. They that are whole, need not a physician, just they that are sick. Now, following this, you have them rebuking Jesus. Now notice it. In, in verse 16, the Pharisees came to Jesus' disciples and said, What's the matter with your master? He's eating with sinners. Now they came to him. In verse 18, And they said, The disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples don't fast at all. And Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bridegroom chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Let me stop here just for a second. As long as the bridegroom is with them, they're not going to fast. Feasting first with the bridegroom. But when he's taken away, then they fast. Because the Lord had a, it's a parable. As long as the Lord is with the disciples, they don't need to fast. Someday he's going to be taken from them. And he was, he went back to glory. Then they'll know something about fasting. Mm -hmm. Genuine fasting, not a legalistic thing. And you see, they were criticizing the Savior because of it. In fact, they were criticizing the Savior through his disciples. Why do your disciples, why don't they fast? You see, the Pharisees and the scribes were dealing with outward observances, things people could see when the heart was far from God. The Lord is not opposed to fasting, if it's genuine, if it's genuine. If it's a thing of show, huh, that's a different proposition. No, my friend. God isn't concerned about outward ordinances so much. He's concerned about your own heart's reality to him and your relationship to him. Is it not an amazing thing that people will sit in criticism of the Savior? They criticized him in the first chapter. They criticized him in the second chapter. And they criticized him in the third chapter. Just like today. Friend, I want to close today by saying Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I must bring this to your own heart. If you're not a Christian, if you've never experienced relationship with Christ, this was why he came, to remove the barrier between you and God. He put away your sin. And you can't do a thing except just accept what he's done for you. 
You really mean business, mean business. Put your trust in the Savior. He'll forgive every transgression, make you his child. For those of you who are Christians, may, may I say to you, friend, do people see Christ living in you? Is there something of the sweetness, the tenderness, the compassion, the love of Christ in your life, in my life, in your home, between husband and wife, between parents and children, between each other, down there in the shop, in the market, wherever you are, in your neighborhood? Are you revealing anything of the sweetness, that life that's in Christ? Not critical, not judges. God didn't make us judges. He didn't put us on the jury. May I plead with you to walk with Christ today and enjoy him. He's still the friend of publicans and sinners. Praise the Lord. And he wants you to know him. And to know him is to love him. And to know him means life eternal. Lord bless you today for his name's sake. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all I see. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins at Calvary.